You're listening to Three Makes Baby, a podcast about fertility, family, and genetics. I'm Jana Repnow, a fertility counselor and author of Three Makes Baby. Welcome to the show. Hi, everyone. Welcome back. I've decided to release another episode this week. I met with Dr. Julian Escobar. He's a fertility doctor here in Dallas with me. And we spoke last night and recorded our conversation so you could hear how fertility doctors are responding to this time. Um, I know a lot of you have heard from your doctors and your uh, canceled cycles are happening and your treatment is being delayed. And I know there's a lot of uncertainty and lots of emotions right now. So listen into this episode as I talk to Dr. Julian Escobar and he shares with you how it's impacting him and his patients. And also I'll share with you tips on how you can deal with this uncertainty right now. Hey, Diana, how are you? I'm great. How are you, Dr. Escobar? Good. This is just a weird, bizarre time in my life, in our lives. Uh, it's, uh, we have no reference. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, our daily life changes mm-hmm. by every six hours. It's a new way of seeing life. And so it's, uh, it's uh, just very interesting. Mm-hmm. And um, as you know, you and I dedicate ourselves to fertility patients and their lives are anxious as they are. Yeah. And now with this uh, uncertainty, I, I just don't think as Americans, we are mentally prepared to deal with uh, uncertainty and to uh, have a lack of control. Mm-hmm. And, and it's a big challenge. Yeah. Um, it's, it's, and you know it more than I do, it you is. know, uh, because it's what you do um, uh, every day. It is, like, yes. Normally, Norma entered the hospital and it's just like, you know, I'm Dr. Escobar, you know, and mm. whatever, you know, and then now I have to get screened. Oh, wow. The hospital is screening wow. me every day. Um, I was, I've been told which patients I could see and which ones I cannot see yeah. and how yeah. I should see my patients and how they should come into the clinic. Oh, wow. uh, this changes all the time. So we try to guide patients. And by the time we have a protocol, it changes again. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. there are just uncertain times. Mm-hmm. Um, and look at you and I, we live five minutes away <laughs> and we're practicing social yes, distancing and, um, and we have to video conference, uh, for mm-hmm. the health of you and I and just our community. And you're an expert mm-hmm. on telemedicine and I, by next week, I'll be an expert. So <laughs> I hope I can get tips from you. I know, I know it's so true. And it's so much has changed is weird times. It's uncertain times. I mean, everybody's worried about what's coming next and when it's going to end. I mean, I wake up every morning and I'm like, is this, is this over yet? And I think that's really hard for people to cope with. So I have all these like little questions. I kind of want to, um, I've been, I've been following you on social media and you do an amazing job and you have a most fabulous book that I, um, that, um, several of my patients have, uh, uh, just complimented and it's been very helpful oh, good. And, and your podcast and everything. And so, uh, but I, um, I guess I saw a post that you did the other day and I, I it really struck a chord. And so I like to talk about that. And so um, how, how do you, what, what are clues for a person to know that they're anxious or that they're, they're, they're someone around them is anxious mm-hmm. or yeah. that their partner is anxious. So, 
kind of would start with that. Yeah, um, that's every. I think everyone's feeling it right now, and I think it's showing up in so many different ways for different people. You know, like I feel it differently than you probably do, and we have to. There's going to be days where we know that's what we're feeling, and then there's going to be other times where we don't know that's what's going on. You know, and it may just come up in our behavior. You know, like how we act. We may be snappy. Um, we may get headaches. Um, you know, we may have stomach aches. Our appetite may be off. Like not sleeping well, waking up really early. I've been like at first, I was waking up at like four in the morning and just couldn't go back to sleep. And I'm, I, at midnight, I I can't. I, I'm like yeah. wired. You know, like yeah. <laughs> I was like, well, this is weird. And so you, it, it's like it just changes everything. And when your biorhythms get off, everything just feels different. And so yeah. So you have to identify. Know, what you're feeling um, and I always say go to your body and kind of map your feelings in your body so again some people it's in their head it's headaches some people it's in their chest tightness um, heart rate racing some people it's short of breath some people um, you know just there's lots of different physical symptoms so figure out what that is for you personally because everyone's different what happens with anxiety is that we lose control we don't we feel the sense of uncertainty like we don't know what's gonna happen and so in order to control that or to feel better about it we start controlling things and you know micromanaging um, you know kind of making tasks schedules and planning everything out and really getting rigid in what how we want things to go and I, I've always say it's they're doing a certain amount of scheduling and planning and controlling doing things you control is fine it's good it's just when it crosses the line is when you start to freak out when it doesn't go the way you want you know when you just get lose it you lose your temper you you know yeah so that's kind of when it gets into micromanaging and you might start feeling like you want to pull your hair out because it's not going the way you expect so then it's feeding into the anxiety because it's actually telling you that you have more to be anxious about which then feeds the uncertainty makes you feel more uncertain so it's this cycle that we have to break in order to feel better so i think that's a great great leeway to go into kind of then question number mm -hmm. two is how how do you so once we recognize we're anxious um you know we have many of us have kids kids used to be at school now mm -hmm. burning out energy now they're at home mm -hmm. um we used to have these outlets to even going to the grocery store that just can't be done right now. Um, and um, it just, everything builds yeah. up, you know, and then if you turn on the TV or look at your phone, you're bombarded with, with a problem that every six hours, like uh, doubles in size. And, um, and so how, what are tools worth tangible things we can do? What are your recommendations? for us as we spend more time at home, is that gonna create more conflicts yeah. in the house or not? Maybe not, mm -hmm. but what, how can we help ourselves and help the people around us? And what can we do to make the most out of this new way of living? Yeah, well, you wanna take mental breaks and give your, your brain the ability to rest and just have active rest. Cause like you said, we're overstimulated, we're overwhelmed. It's a new, it's novel. And so we're trying to process this brand new situation and our brains don't know where to go with it because we have no memory, no file to pull and go, okay, got this. I know what's coming. We don't. And so it creates a lot of anxiety. So remind yourself of that, that your brain's still trying to process it. And what you're probably going to find is a lot more people are taking more naps or they're just exhausted by three o'clock. And that's just because your brain is processing a ton of new information right now and trying to adapt and adjust to it. So let yourself have that zone out time and that brain rest where you just zone out, stare at the ceiling. You know, you can do uh, relaxation exercises, 
anything that just helps you to just completely zone out. So you know that feeling when you start to zone out, you're like kind of like staring off into space and people want to break you out of it, the trance? Don't break out of it. Just totally stay in it because you're, that's your default mode and your brain is actually sort of going back into that resting state so it can re reboot and, and refresh. And we need that. What are things that people can do at home to help themselves get into the zone or a yeah. zone? So one, one thing that um, research shows that going into nature, even in your backyard can help and uh, spending time around animals helps too. Um, you can exercise, that can also help just as the start of um, disengaging your brain, you get into your body more. Um, you can do some sort of like yoga from home. Um, you can do some, again, practice some breathing even. I mean, it can be as simple as just breathing in deeply to, for four seconds, pausing, and then letting it go for four seconds. So some breath work. Um, if you're on Instagram and you see those images people are creating, where you can breathe with it as it grows and then release as it, those are oh, wow. neat. So do those because we know that has a physiological effect and it really can help. It seems like small things, but these small things add up and they make a major, major difference. And what you wanna do is continue doing it. And so I have something called, it's the five, 10, 20 rule for people to remember. And I'll just start today with the five. The five is five minutes of what we're talking about, zoning out, deactivating the brain, active brain rest. And you do it just by, chilling out, trying to clear your mind, you know, um, exercising, going to nature, do some gardening, downshift. So those are some, even like people are doing um, art, you know, or just like a puzzle, putting a puzzle together. People, trust me, it's actually more productive than you think because you're giving your brain that time to like reset. And then it, you will be more productive when you can come back to your work. What, what, how about other tools to deal with other people's anxiety? Like, I uh, went to, uh, I haven't gone to a supermarket in like five weeks and so five months and it's embarrassing, but I was like, a, I was like I a kid in an empty candy store, you know, like it was empty, <laughs> but, but it was so much fun anyhow. And I still spend a lot of money yeah. buying unnecessary things that we'll never need, but it's, you know, I'm, I'm grounded in my house forever for a long time. But um, I, I was doing surgery right before it. And so, I just wear, I had a surgical mask on and I just wore my a mask, you know, face mask. Yeah. Um, not only yeah. to protect myself, but to protect people around me. And I think people are getting more used to that. I wasn't the only person, but I do think that it kind of, you could tell in some people it, it can strike a chord. And I don't even know if someone said okay. something or not. I just kept walking. But how do we deal with that? The tension that people have around us um, and they may snap, they may say something. And so uh, both at home and outside of the house, how, how do you deal with that? Yeah. Yeah. So you got to remove yourself, take mental breaks again for you, for yourself. So that mean that may mean that you go to another room for a little bit, uh, do your breath work, do, you know, take some deep breathing and just kind of reset and just, you know, it's, it's, it's amazing how we can, if we just put our feet on the ground and uh, take a deep breath and just imagine everything is just going to the ground, that we can just sort of let it go and reset. The other thing you can do is uh, put on one of those sleep masks for uh, about two or three minutes because 60% uh, of our stimulus that we take in from our environment comes from our eyes. So if we just put a mask on for about, you know, two or three minutes, that can really reset too. You know, again, or five minutes, that five minutes I was talking about, that can be your brain's reset as well. 
Um, and it's, it's amazing how it works. If you have small kids at home, um, you might want to go and honestly, it's a joke, but go to the bathroom, <laughs> you know, just lock the door and just turn out the lights, put a mask on, whatever, just take a break for, for five minutes, not just one time a day, but constantly, every time you need it, every time you feel that buildup in your chest or that headache or the, 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 you know, I'm getting tense, I'm clenching, I want this to work. Then you go, okay, I'm getting, I'm going there. Let me take a break. And so the more you do it, the more your brain changes and you can do it automatically. Now dealing with other people. And again, we can't really control their behavior. We can only control ours, but we do know that the calmest emotional brain in the room will will in a weird way make the other more excitable brains calm down so if you can calm yourself down you're actually going to see that effect on your family as well very very good i yeah. truthfully tried not to not hear what people were saying but i'm sure one or two people said something you know um did they really about the yeah mask? yeah it's just a bizarre time you know not as well just the entire thing i mean it's just it's just you know, mm. I don't know. And so, but I, it's just kind of like the entire handshake thing. I want to say with patients a week, week and a half ago, it was kind of hard to not be so close to my patients and it came both ways. This week yeah. was much easier. There was an understanding, a societal understanding of distancing, you know, and that a week ago yeah. was bizarre in some situations, you know, and so I think we all get sensitized a little bit, which is good, you know, to change, Mm -hmm. but it's a lot of change happening a little bit too fast. Yeah, it is. And because I hear what you're saying, which is that you're almost feeling this like sort of like this judgment, like we're all handling this in different ways. And some people are wanting to wear masks. And frankly, I was going to go out today. I ended up not, but I I was planning on wearing a mask um, for the same reason you did. And, um, and that should be okay. That's what you're doing. That's your personal choice. If someone else doesn't want to wear a mask at this point, the CDC is not recommending that you have to. So, but I think it's important that we not judge each other because we're all going to handle this differently. We have to do what's right and best for us and our family. I have a child at home with mono and with asthma. So I'm being extra careful. You've got young children at home. You know, there's, we're all going to have different situations. So the more we can be compassionate with each other and understand and less judgment, I think that's really important right now. Super. Now, now I want to uh, transition into the, the, the meat of everything, you know, yes, uh, yes. which <laughs> I mean, I, for fertility patients to just acknowledge that you may have a fertility issue is a big deal. To share it with your consciousness and with your spouse, it's a different level. And then to decide to, maybe I need help and reach out and and perhaps even make it to the clinic, it's a big, big step. And then you made it to the clinic and then you have your preconceptions and then you're allowing yourself to get tested and perhaps consider treatment. Mm-hmm. And after everything you've gone through, you've, you've decided on a treatment and you've sat down with me and we've, we've had it planned, but also we've had a schedule, a calendar. I mean, it cannot be more precise than that. Okay. Mm. You spent your money, you've worked out your vacations, your absence from work to come to the clinic Mm. and you've gathered all your strength and your resources for that. And then all of a sudden the coronavirus comes and the ASRM, which is American Society of Reproductive Medicine comes with extremely strict guidelines, basically said that we can, in America, we can only finish the cycles already started with the exception of embryo transfers that we shouldn't do. 
Um, and we should not start any other cycles and only do surgeries that are urgent. And it's very difficult to qualify a fertility patient needing surgeries and urgent surgery, mm -hmm. ectopic pregnancy, of course, but not much. So, but you know that to your patients and my patients, fertility patients, and to us, their condition infertility is not a choice, is not a, it's really probably the most or one of the most important needs in that person's life right now. So, but in the, uh, on paper, it sounds like a choice, you know, like a non-urgent matter. Mm -hmm. um, so, so when you have these very definite guidelines that kind of have an end, I mean, they do end the 30th of March, okay. but they'll be reevaluated. Yeah. But we all yeah. know there's a chance that 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 something else may happen after that mm -hmm. so so it's not only like okay we're changing my plan that's very difficult but then it's also maybe things maybe you can start planning for gearing up back on after that mm -hmm. uh, but we all now have learned that 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 the, our new normal is that whatever plan we make it may change again, again you know yeah. so i really really want to hear what you have to say about uh, how to process that? How how do patients hear these news from us providers, and what how do should we expect as providers as our patients should react, and how can patients see how they're going to process that information, and how can they take that take that as they move forward? Yeah, patients are definitely going to be experiencing almost like a, the stages of grief, um, but not the you know not necessarily in any order that they're going to have major, you know, it's going to be shock at first and you're going to be denial and this isn't happening. This can't be real and anger at how could they do this? And this is ridiculous. They're overreacting all these kinds of thoughts and feelings. And then the sadness and just despondency, just being feeling depressed that, that you have no control over this and there's nothing you can do. And that is, um, that is, it's a hard feeling. I think patients, you want to, understand that you're going to be feeling this and going through this know it's normal first of all know that these are normal feelings and know that that's part of grieving but that you can when you're just because you're grieving doesn't mean you're going to stay there that you will come out of this this will end and things will change and start up again and you can have that sense of control so now during this uncertainty this pause let's call it a pause um <laughs> it's kind of a euphemism but for i'm sure they patients don't feel like it's pause they probably have other you know <laughs> other uh not so nice words to say about it but you know and i understand and but this this is a time to you know really practice acceptance of what is today so day by day one day at a time like you know, I call it future trip and I don't call it, somebody else named it, but future tripping is when you get out in the future and you say, okay, what if this, if the, now if March, then my date will be here. And then you start doing your calendar starting in March 30th. Well, then March 30th comes and there's another change. It rattles you again. So just take one day at a time and accept what it is today, knowing that tomorrow may change. It may change in a positive direction. We don't, we don't know. We just know that this is what is today. And that's about acceptance. And the more we can practice acceptance, how we accept things is by not future tripping, by not getting out in our thoughts. And how we do that is by the, these mindfulness techniques I was telling you about. So like 10 minutes of maybe trying to do some yoga, 10 minutes of just trying to clear your mind, go for a walk and just stare at the trees, you know, try. I know people are like, that's really hard. I can't clear my mind. So then try some, um, get on like an app and do a, a visualization technique for 10 minutes a day 
and just try that. And so you're basically, you're training your mind to let go of those thoughts about the future. You're just training it to let go. You do have control over your thoughts. You have to start by thinking about what you're thinking. I mean, it's so meta. It's right. It's very meta, but it's, but you can do it. We all can do it. That's why we're, I mean, we're pretty, you know, advanced as a species is because we can do that. So, you know, just start paying attention to your thoughts and give yourself that carve out that time. You have some now to start doing some visualizations. I have some free ones up. You can, on my link in my bio on Instagram, you can do those on SoundCloud for free. Do one that works for you. You can start with one minute. You can go all the way up to 20. Um, and there's for different, different, uh, types what is of your, issues. what could you, uh, I don't want to misspell your name. Can you, um, can yeah. you just tell us what your, yeah. um, my Instagram is? name is, or your, your Instagram. Yeah. You're the links. My Instagram, so you can find me on all the social media platforms at. And I will tag you, but yeah, Jana Rupnow LPC. So LPC stands for Licensed Professional Counselor, and my name is spelled J A N A R U P N O W L P C. So that you can find me there. I'm going to actually also post up a um, a meditation where I teach you how to do it, and it's like this is like beginner's meditation, and that's um, my son's working on it now, and I'm going to post that up really soon. So you can go there if you've never done this before, and you can try it. And listen, I get it. When I first started doing meditation back in 2014, I sat down to do a visualization exercise. It was three minutes. I think it was a minute long that my my mentor recommended to me. I couldn't even make it through that. I couldn't make it through. I was like, no, I'm not doing this. I can't do this. I can't sit still. But he encouraged me to keep practicing it. And I did. And the more I practice it, the easier it got and the better I got at it. And I was able to just engage that, what we call the relaxation response. That's the relaxation response. I was able to engage that anytime. Now I can engage it anytime I want because I've trained my brain to do it. So it, it takes some practice, but just keep doing it. So Jenna, so how does how does a patient or a person or anyone, when should they reach out to a, a specialist like you, a professional like you? Like when, when should they say, you know what, maybe I should reach out. Maybe I could get some uh, tools. I mean, I do have patients that are ex extremely competitive. Most of my patients, I mean, they have everything and that's why they want to grow their family. Yeah. But just because you're uh, well-educated and you have everything doesn't mean that you have the tools to process a lot of this and yeah. the guidance. And just because your spouse is amazing doesn't mean that they have the best skill set to help you. you know? yeah. So at what point should they reach out to you? If they are feeling like they have nobody to talk to, if they're feeling um, really extreme feelings of depression and sadness, and um, kind of hopelessness, definitely it's a time to reach out and schedule a consult or a, a counseling session. You can do telecounseling easily on video like this or even just on the phone if you don't wanna do face-to-face, -face, you just wanna stay in your PJs and your messy hair and you, yeah, just no pressure. Um, but yeah. just to have somebody to listen to what you're feeling and to give you that, that hope and that encouragement again, I think we all need that when we're discouraged. We need to hear from someone else who's in a different place and uh, yeah, so definitely if you're feeling any of those feelings, reach out for, and give yourself that help right now in that time. Because I tell you what, when people, they always say that the therapy or counseling works best for people who need it least, which basically means that, you know, people think they sh should go to counseling when something's wrong with them. No, go to counseling to just level up your life because you can learn some amazing skills. 
So. I mean, I tell my patients, look, do you think a football player, professional football player, a basketball player get or precedent get there where they are? No, they all need these people yeah. to help them out. Yeah. You need that help to go to the next level. And if you are to have the mental capacity to organize your life and your thoughts and everything around you, the people around you, you need some tools and we're not all born with them and we not at all times we don't have them and yeah. so it doesn't mean that someone in my view has to be completely clinically depressed but i think there are tools that can be very helpful to deal with infertility um and definitely during these times for oh just, yeah. yeah i mean you could reach out you don't yeah you're right those are kind of more the the you know if you're really feeling bad well, definitely call it, but you can do this even if you're feeling snappy, edgy, anxious, you've put it off, you've thought about it in the past two years, but you just haven't done it yet. Do it now. This is your pause. This is your time to do it. So there's so many reasons. You don't. It doesn't have to be any of these other reasons, these more extreme reasons that I explained. Yeah. Say so you just want to learn a new school uh, skill on how to stay more patient with your spouse or that you and your spouse can uh, communicate better. I do this test. I give a, it's a great personality test I have my couples take. And it's called the Enneagram. And you can actually, anybody who's watching, go out and take it now, right now on um, the Enneagram Institute. And you learn what your personality is, what number. Everybody has a number and it's no good or bad personality. It's just who you are. And it really helps people to um, learn each other and have better relationships with each other. So if you're, you know, you're spending more time together, getting on your nerves, it's time to learn more about each other. There's so many reasons to reach out to me besides just uh, some of the more extreme yeah. uh, feelings of sadness. Yeah. Absolutely. Super. Yeah. Well, Jana, I think you're amazing. And like I've said before, you're the queen of <laughs> video conferencing and telemedicine. <laughs> yeah. And I hope to learn some of your tips because this is normal. So, <laughs> you know, I do want to say just we are on our phones now, we're on our TV. So when we're looking at, you know, I have that 5, 10, 20 rule. So five minutes of zone out, Crazy. just decompress, put the mask on, reduce stimulation. 10 minutes of uh, some sort of a mind clearing and meditation yoga activity. And then 20 minutes this is the most important one. This is the hard one for many people, but 20 minutes is 20 minutes of no screen time, no news, no media, nothing. 20 minutes a day of, of no screen time. And that challenge, that can be liberating too, because if you just unplug from that for a bit, it can release a lot of pressure and stress, so. It's been awesome, Jana. So, um... Thank you so much. Um, this was great. And um, uh, I'm sure we'll meet again. Yeah, and reach out to me if you want to schedule a request appointment. You can do that on Instagram. You can also go uh, through the link in my bio. You can also go to my website, janarepnow.com, and a request appointment online. And then I follow up with you with an email. So I'm here for you. Thank you, Jana. Thanks for listening. If you would like to follow me for more content, you can find me on Instagram at Jana Rupnow LPC and Facebook. And you can also grab a copy of my book, Three Makes Baby, on Amazon.com, BarnesandNoble.com, and Target.com. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast and rate it and share it with a friend if you like it. Have a great day.